It's not often these days that a story sends shockwaves through the footballing world. The news that Jurgen Klopp would leave Liverpool at the end of the season was one that certainly shocked us all. So what's next for Jurgen? And who's next in the Liverpool hot seat? Welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Show in a week where there was only really one story worth talking about and that's exactly what we're going to do tonight. Joining me are two rabbits in a Jurgen Klopp headlight, Neil Dobbs and <laughs> David Bugle. And Dave, this really did come out of nowhere. There weren't really any hints that i seen anyhow. Had you seen any? No, absolutely not. Like Obviously, we ironically talked about it a couple of weeks ago when Liverpool hit the top of the table. You were saying to me, like, would it be... Would it be ideal if he was to win another league title? We're all saying, yeah, this, that, and the other. But my intention was like, just before he finishes up and be by twenty twenty six, there was literally nothing in my mind. It would have been nice to get one before he's gone, thinking we've another couple of years to have a have a punt at this. But um, yeah, the fact that uh, he told him in November it was very much very close shop. Um, the very first minute or two of his interview felt like maybe somebody must have got wind, and I was like, right, I better take ownership of it. But would he have left it a bit later? I, that's the little feeling. I think he might have left it a little bit later before it became public. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not a, not a breeze of this at all. Like he, he he hasn't given anything away all season and, and even last year. Um, until obviously Friday morning when the texts come in and we're all checking the reputable sites just to be sure is this actually for real? Because that fourth hour, yeah, scratching the head and then slowly but surely it becomes reality. But uh, yeah, mad stuff. But no, not a, not a danger to see it coming at all, mate. Dave, do you, uh, do you think yeah. that it was meant to be brought out at the end of the season and that someone did catch wind or do you think that it was it was yeah. going to come out sometime beforehand officially? Yeah, i say it would have come out exactly when, I don't know. But it just felt like he wasn't giving much away. But it, it was just this was just me and my little psychiatry like, couch uh, quarterback kind of thing. It just felt like, yeah... It, just felt like he thought something was coming or somebody had heard and was about to go out there so he just brought it out but I, I'd say maybe near the end of the year I'd say it would have been maybe more his likely story I got my guess but uh, it was ju- it was just a few little sentences at the very start of the interview felt like yeah um, somebody else was going to take take control of it so he wanted to get it back Neil what did you make of the news when you heard of it first and when it settled down after an hour or so what were your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think much along the same lines. It came out of nowhere. It was the shock. Um, I remember going through a couple of the social media sites, and and my initial thoughts were, why now? Um, why you know what are the pros of coming out and doing something like this? Into Farans, does it galvanise the squad? Does it give them this last hurrah? This empty the tank, go for everything, win every game um, scenario. And also, negatively, what, what can impact the squad? Is he overloading the squad now with emotion? Um, is he placing expectation on them? Because obviously you want to go out as a winner. Um, and in football and in any sport, really, you know, you look at people when they retire at the top of the game, it doesn't always end, you know, like winning a World Cup or winning the Champions League or winning something here. Sometimes you go out by the back door. Um, that was my overriding emotion was that why now why did it come out and then why uh, and what are they going to do and then obviously you're, you're, you're Googling almost is there anyone else being asked you know possible managers who's going to come in and all them other kind of questions come kind of flooding to the fore but um, 
yeah, the timing of it is strange, and I, I hope as a fan that it does have a positive impact because the stadium now is going to be obviously every home game is going to be electric. Uh, it hopefully will give them an edge, and then obviously that you want that to end in something good at the end of the season that he goes out in a high. Um, I don't know if you've seen the kind of clips. I was actually googling stuff there on on Dortmund when he left Dortmund. Um, the kind of going away parade was was unbelievable inside the stadium. So. And that would be obviously something that we'll be looking forward to over the next couple of months to see what way they handle that. And just what you said there, Neil, I remember Alex Ferguson put out his retirement from Manchester United. He was set to leave. Things started to fall asunder and he stayed on for, I think it was another three years. Is, is that likely? Is it possible that Liverpool could stumble along now and it, it may not be the wisest thing to do? Well, well, that's the risk, isn't it? You know, that's the risk when you kind of let the cat out of the bag. And I heard a very interesting thing from Roy Keane saying there when Ferguson originally came in and said he was leaving, that um, they were off the back of three wins, three Premier League wins. And then Keane was like, yeah, no big deal. We're all season pros. We're going to go on. And then things just began to unravel. He doesn't know why he couldn't put his finger on it. And then it changed. And then it kind of changed the dynamic. Um, he was saying, you know, you, there was talks in the training ground and the canteens of who's coming in next and what else is changing and what background staff are leaving. And it's that whole something has changed out of our regular routine that's gotten to where we are. And we're almost unaware that it's having a negative effect. So we won't know, I guess, until the coming weeks to see what way they respond. Obviously, if they win a lot of games and everything goes well, you could almost say it's a master stroke to kind of harness that kind of power and that he has, that he's leaving rather than just announce it at the end of the season and then it's done. Um, but let, yeah, well, obviously, as I said, I, I hope it's more positive than there is negatives when it all comes to, 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 to pass. Yeah. Dave, why do you think he's leaving? Um, we know, the, we know the official yeah, no. line, Dave. I'm just wondering, is the official line the real reason? Yeah, I have to take it at face value. Otherwise, I'd be making it up here. Really, absolutely. Like, I'd be... I, there's nothing I've noticed but like we only seen him on the touchline in an interview so it'd be very hard to tell I haven't heard any rumours uh, like he said they were starting to plan for that, uh, the, the summer and what they were going to do and nearly a year in advance and he was kind of thinking Jesus am I going to be here is it worth is it like I've got it in me and maybe that's the case um, wouldn't help I wouldn't have hazard another guess uh, because it'd be absolute nonsense because I haven't a clue wouldn't have a, have a breeze I'd say to be honest, the one thing when the dust settles and you really start to think about it, like I could never see Jurgen Klopp being well into his 60s, in touching his 70s, still on the sidelines. So I always presumed he'd finish at 26 and maybe the only other ever job would be the Germany job. So even now, I still think if he's ever going to be on the sideline again, it'll be something like that, a bit part-time. Because I just don't see him well into his 60s kind of being on that sideline. He wants to live his life and enjoy his life. Um, so maybe this is the right opportunity. Maybe you know, with the way things are going and there is a lot of trophies still to be played for, it's the right time to go out on a high. He's done a bit of a decent job at the rebuild and, 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 and freshening up the team and there's a potential that they're on the rise so why don't do that now instead of I've eaten every last drop out of them. So I'm kind of handing over in a fairly healthy position. You wouldn't know. That's that's the only other reason I think it makes stuff off. Okay, so what it, if... It could be, Roy, if you look at last year, remember last year's season, it didn't really go to plan and he looked knackered between games. You could see the tiredness almost creep into him. I think he got a lot frustrated last year, especially the press conferences after games. 
he was a little bit hedgy and things weren't going well and mm. you know the squad needed rejuvenation and I'd say that took a massive toll on him last season how that went because he if he was ambling towards the door thinking you know I want to hand the club over in a good situation and good health and then that happened last season where the midfield ran out of legs and things just weren't right I'd say if you're a manager that's put eight, eight years into a club you would want to leave it in a better situation and maybe that took so much out of him. This year he looks a little bit more rejuvenated, but things are going well. But I'd say last year was one of their moments that he went, this is really taking a toll on me. That's what I felt looking at him. Yeah, and I'm going to touch on that now in a second because from last year to sort of, as you said, regenerate, but maybe um, maybe he's changed tactics and worked different things out to fit the players that he's after getting in. Um, rejig this team around he probably deserves a lot of credit uh, but just on that Dave could it be that the with the financial fair play you'll be seeing now I think last year there was 2 billion spent in January uh, by the Premier League it's only something like 444 million or something at this stage that the Premier League have spent with the likes of Salah probably could go in the summer uh, if things are being talked about the way they are being talked about in the background. Van Dijk is 32. Do you think that maybe he feels that he should try and go out on a high and not try and, ha- not try and linger through what Neil just said, a year like last year, which could be a year or two in the yeah. future? But that's, that's what it could be, whatever shadow of a doubt. Um, you know, we got rid of one or two of the, the, the there was about eight of them all around the same age and they can't all go together at the same time so obviously our Hendersons and Fabinho's and Firmino's went first and Mane there's every reason why in the next couple of years they could be the same with these guys and you never know they might make that decision now with Klopp going they might want to try something new head out, head over to Patrick's new now because it might be the same because that's the other thing we have to look at as well whatever those Klopp players like to book our people and they don't like change and they'll be thinking that as well and thinking yeah maybe you know we've done all we can here and if we go out and high again this year one or two of them might actually want to move on but in terms of the financial fair play I wouldn't be too worried about Liverpool they spent a hell of a lot of money in the summer and they'll be able to make a hell of a lot of money this summer if they sold someone like Mo Salah like what was it 35 million 60 million 16 million 34 million on, on four midfielders Liverpool and, and four and they're a hell of a lot bigger than um, man uh, Newcastle and that's why they don't have to sell players they can just buy players you know that's they're in a much healthier position than than, than most teams in the league so uh, yeah I think as I said I think the team has a chance to still go up again up another notch so I think it's right for them to go potentially now instead of he's bled, he's bled them for every last bit of energy that they've had and then we have those barren years well now there's an opportunity for somebody to come in and potentially push on this team further if, if it all went well yeah, okay. But we'll return back to after Klopp in a little bit. Neil, mm. his first few years at the club, uh, we can't say they weren't successful because when you go into a club, you're probably going in because the club needs someone to change things around. So there was a job there to be done. Why did it take a few years before its success, as in challenging for titles, winning titles, came around? Um. I think the first reason with any manager that's a winner that goes into a club, um, you have to change the mentality, especially a club that has not won the big trophies in such a long time, which Liverpool hadn't. Um, the doubters, the believers uh, scenario. So Klopp came in and boldly said, I would like to think I could win a Premier League within three years, which is bold enough. Only really Mourinho comes in and kind of comes out with that type of stuff because look at Pasta Coglu, look at... Um, 
you know, these type of managers, Tuchel, that type of guy, they're not walking into clubs going, oh, yeah, I'm going to win a Premier League. So, number one, you have to change from the the mediocrity of finishing fourth, fifth, sixth, or whatever it is. You have to turn your team into winners. And I'm looking at the first team that he inherited with a midfield three of Emre Chan, Lucas, and Milner. Origi up front, Coutinho, Lallana. So you had these players, and if I go to the back line, it was probably the biggest reason for me. Sacco um, and Skirtle were your two centre-backs. Mignolet was your goalkeeper. Um, he had to change personnel. He had to change attitudes. He had to try get the crowd on side. Remember in the first few, you know, first few matches, he would be like, don't be leaving at 85 minutes. We can change everything and anything. Don't be leaving if we're one goal down. You know, believe what we're doing. And then that, I'll say infamous when they came from the goal down and drew the match and he had them kind of half celebrating at the cop and we got a lot of flack over it. But it was the beginning of something. He was trying to change attitudes. And unfortunately, you can't change attitudes and people and personnel in one window or two windows. You need a couple of windows in order to go through it. So he had to put his print on the club. He's definitely an all or nothing scenario manager where he, he clearly has control over everything that goes on. And it just takes time. So in the beginning, fast, furious, frantic. And even if you remember the likes of Adam Lallana, which you would imagine was an absolute perfect club player, even he kind of ran aground during the latter stages of the season of the demands that club put on them. A lot of the players couldn't keep up with the impact. They'd keep up with the, the heavy metal, you know, the press, press, gen-gen press. So um, there was a lot to change. And that's why it took at least a year or two to get his imprint on the team. But again, he's this type of manager that could grab the imagination of the crowd, of the city, of the team. And there's not many people in world football that can do that. Dave, what was the first moment that Klopp got you on board? Uh, that conference was simple as that. Because he, he, had, he had the whole league on board before he came here. You know, um, there was a bit of a love-in. I think Sky must have had the coverage of the Champions League at the time because almost every other day he was on in the run-up to that final in Wembley when he lost. And, you know, he always got that impression that, yeah, I can see him in England. He seems a bit of crack. He has the English down fairly well. And he seems like a, a fairly funny guy, a nice guy. And they were all loving him. So when we ended up with him, uh, it, it was a big coup because obviously there would have been a lot of us, the big boys looking for him as well. And literally from day one, the way he sat there and he said the right things, you're kind of going, right, we've got... Because Liverpool, don't get me wrong, all teams do. But Liverpool fans love that manager. And they always give him plenty. Even Roy Hodgson, no one really bitches about him. We just don't talk about him because we don't like to moan about managers because it's just what they do. But like even from day one, when he's given us quotes, uh, he, he can call himself professional. I'm the normal one. You kind of knew from day one, like, this is going to be fun. This is going to be good. He's going to put a bit of curry back in the shorts because his personality alone is 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 is, is, is uh, mag- magnetizing. But slowly but surely he came in. You know, the likes of the last minute job he's against West Brom and he's given us a big one. Probably the Dortmund game in the Europa League and Lovren, you're kind of going, yeah, he, he gets it. They get it. Like I think it was the season after when they got to the Europa League final. But when we had one of those classic European nights, that was kind of where you're going. Yeah, I think we're, I think we've, we've got something here. We're potentially going somewhere, but we still need a few ingredients. But, but literally from day one, he, he had me intrigued, regardless of whether I thought we were ever going to hit the, hit the promised land. Because I don't know whether Neil would admit it, but I've often had a beer or two with a few mates going, geez, I don't know if I'll ever see us win the league again. So I'd no, I'd no faith in any manager who was getting that long. 
So the fact that he did is, is enough for me. But no, right from the get go, he was impressive, and he was the he was the want of everyone. Everyone would have wanted him as their manager, and simple as that. And obviously, people still have a moan and a grape every now and then, but that's out of jealousy. They love him, and the fact that we got him that was a big one for me. And then you kind of felt we had a chance to maybe try and get in and bloody the nose of the big boys. We we bloody well did that. I uh, obviously a Manchester United supporter since my since I could walk, but I hated the fact that I liked Klopp. I like <laughs> I, I I liked his personality. I liked his mentality, but mostly his personality. That you knew that he was a good guy. You knew that he was level headed, but he still he had that winning attitude that it was going to be his way. Or no way. There was no player there going to do their own thing. They were all in or you're out. And uh, there should be more managers like that in the league. I think t- the many managers that have get get the sack in the league, uh, it's because maybe they don't have the backing, but sometimes they don't have the backbone. And he does it in a way that he gets everyone on board and he doesn't even have to worry about yeah. anything after that. There is very little confrontation, I would say. I'd say you're on board. And okay. and, and if, if, you, if you aren't on board... It's probably you're probably not going to be there too long. Yeah. So there's been little or no crap, you know. There's little or no shit stories. I, we were we've been scraping maybe with Manny and Salah. Maybe they're not the best of mates, but it never spilled over. That's about the height of it. Mm. There was a one little instance with Sacco uh, in pre-season, yeah. and he said something smart on LFCT because he was late for the flight. Then he interrupted him when he's being interviewed. I think he was over in California. And Klopp said something on camera, and I was like, "Oh, jeez, I say that the guy has a bite," and I don't even think it was a, a week, and Saka was already gone. So that said everything, you know that kind of thing, and uh, that's the standard set from the get go. And uh, yeah, you're dead right, Roy. And you know whatever about no matter who you follow, there's no denying that Liverpool are a team. I would have been, I was will be, and that's a that's a talent in itself for a manager to get the to get everyone on board and singing off the same thing sheet. What do you, Neil, believe? Made him successful. Made him successful within um, with, with Liverpool because many just like with Manchester United at the moment, many are trying and are failing. What was that he had that the managers previous didn't have? Albeit there was a Champions League in there a few years before he arrived, but in the league, in the yeah. Premier League, and you know, first division, they, they couldn't do it for such a long time. So, what made him successful? In, in the role that he was in? Uh, I think it's his style of play. I think it's the way he... It, you were watching Knights and as David saying, they're big European Knights and the way Liverpool went after teams in the first 10, 15 minutes at Anfield in particular, it was extraordinary to watch sometimes and it didn't matter who you were, it didn't matter how good your team was, be it Manchester City. I'll give you the example because I, I had it ready for later on but the Roma game uh, 2017-18 semi-final Liverpool win 5-2 at home it, it was an unbelievable first 30 minutes they just dismantled Roma like they, Roma just couldn't get out of there quick enough and then they kind of conceded a late goal and you could see Klopp going mental about it because the tie should have been dead but then it kind of got back to 5-2 and it was you know not dead dead and of course they went away dead and they lost 4-2 which they got through 6-7 on aggregate. But I remember being in the pub watching this game, and as the goals were raining in, you, you just could not believe what you were witnessing. Roma were a really solid side, really, really good side. Semi-final, 
and we just blitzed them. And it was that football, that edge of your seat, risky, flying forward in six and seven players all at once, all out attack, and we're just going to go for the jugular. And I think, as you're saying there, Roy, he had the balls to do it. He had the license to do it, and it was no other way. Now, you conceded, like, they conceded quite a lot of goals that season, but it was just the manner of that furious frenzy of football that got everybody on board. And if you if you couldn't enjoy that game, even as a, as a neutral, if you want to call people neutral, that uh, aren't Liverpool, I mean, it was extraordinary. And I remember just thinking to myself, this now is incredible what I'm watching here. And the pull, I remember the pull, it was lifting off the ground. It was just brilliant. So m- matches like that, the way he sent them out, and it didn't matter if you're Roma or anything. It didn't matter Porto. It didn't matter the, the size or the stature of the club. Klopp would go for you. And you're kind of saying there, when do they get on board with Klopp? I remember watching him send uh, Dortmund away to Real Madrid in the Champions League. They were losing, I think, 2-0 or something like that in the first leg. And they went away to the Bernabeu. And like that, he just sent them after Madrid. And Lewandowski had a great night. And it was a cracking game. Klopp had the balls to play like that. It is high risk high line it's all the stuff that has you on the edge of your seat very little control that season he, he kind of worked on that then maybe the season after um, but it encapsulated you it got you wanting so much more and every game was just a pleasure to watch for that season yeah yeah, I, I totally agree I can I can see that that's I think when Manchester United were playing at the, at the peak of their powers it was all risk you know, and and a lot of reward because they had the best of players, and that's the way you see it with Liverpool. The players that they have are are highly talented, and and they're, they're all winners. That's that's the good thing with with the team when you look at the team. All the players that go in are winners. They're not happy with, you know, we slagged them about the West Brom thing and all, but that was him trying to change a mentality there at the club. Not only with the fan or with the, the players, but with the fans to try and change that mentality. To hold on, we are going places. Um, and I think he he rightly instilled that in everyone. Dave, I suppose when you look at his his team, the tactics that he had, the type of player, and his transfers. If you want to have a successful team, all these have to click together. What yeah. what clicked together in those aspects, tactics, type of player, and transfers that didn't click before that? Yeah, well, transfers definitely clicked in. I'm saying this because I would have said the same about Ferguson. Like, as much as everything is about them as the individuals, they have to have the right people behind them in the background. Otherwise, nobody talks about them in this press. And with Klopp, it's the exact same with the Michael Edwards and all these guys of this world. And don't get me wrong, they're, they're under his leadership, and, and I'm well aware of that. But those two or three seasons where it wasn't necessarily his first summer, it was more the second summer when it really started to click. And nearly every signing work which doesn't happen in football you might get a 50% success rate but definitely in the second summer when Mo Salah came in Andy Robertson even I'd say Jamelin for a while and then obviously Virgil van Dijk literally on the 1st of January and that's when the defence tightened up as much as he had his attack in play once the defence tightened up that's when everything changed and that's when they became a serious outfit where Man City were more than capable but it was that little window of, 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 of that first year or two where just things went right. Obviously, the Coutinho deal as well. If, if he wasn't in the team, we wouldn't have had some of the money to make some of these purchases as well. We need to remember that, as well as Luis Suarez. But, um, yeah, we just got that lovely little rich vein of spell where the, the, the players that we rhyme off 
Uh, Mo Salah, even Dominic Solanke, look how successful he's been now with Bournemouth this year. He was bought the same year as Mo Salah. So you Salah, Robertson, Jamie, then Van Dijk, and then obviously we'll move on from Naby Keita, but then Alison Becker comes in a few weeks later, and then that's it then. You kind of have that course spine of Becker, um, Van Dijk, the guys in the midfield of Wijnaldum, Henderson, uh, I can't remember who was there at the time, because Fabinho's not even there yet. And then you have that front three that everyone and their mother would have been jealous of, because for those two or three years, they hit the sweet spot of scoring goals, but not only that, defending from the front, and exactly like what Neil said, when we were all humming on the same team sheet for those two or three years as an 11, like they were the guys who, who, who arguably set the tone, because they are fancy players, and if they're putting in the shift, you have no option but to do it as well. So we had that lovely, perfect storm of a couple of great windows where everyone, but most players, walked, and because that doesn't happen all the time. All you have to do is look at United over the last 10 years, and I'm sure before the, the ball has been kicked, you've had a, a bit of hope for one or two of the summers. And then a couple of games in, shit, they're duds again. You know, and it's not easy. This job is not easy. But credit where credit's due. And ultimately, it all goes to Klopp. But he also had that, that great sporting, background, or sporting director and those guys in the background behind him taking the players exactly to fit the bill. Because a lot of them would have been decent and some of them would have been head scratchers. And Salah, and I'm sick of saying it, the amount of people who were non-Liverpool who all said what a absolutely rubbish signing because of the couple of games he played at Chelsea because they're idiots and they haven't a clue. But it's incredible now that he, he have arguably one of the best players in the world. But that's down to the homework that they did because what he was doing in it, he was impressive and they knew it. And they said, if we can tap that into English football, we're laughing because they did the homework. So credit where credit is due to people that support in the background as well. And not just him, but definitely the, the 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 first summer window, and then that Christmas made everything change drastically. Yeah, Neil, why have they only won one Premier League in his time there? Um, well, there's a certain guy up in Manchester called Pep Guardiola who has a blank checkbook and uh, is also you can't use the checkbook now. I don't go no, with no, the no, checkbook no. unless those 115 charges come through and then I'll agree totally with you. But I mean, Liverpool have spent well, and their net spending is great. So, but they have spent decent money on players and they've named out a few there. So they do spend money. What? So what is the difference well. then? They spend it well, yeah. Uh, but they think Manchester City do spend it well as well. They don't always. It's only recently they started going for a couple of the 100 million players. They, before that, it was, 20, it was our 30, 40, 50. 2018-2019, Liverpool played 38 matches. They won 30, drew 7, lost 1. Yeah. Didn't win the league. So no yeah. problem there, no issue, no bottle job. That's the bloody reason. It's just that second game, they were one point better. <laughs> Liverpool were faultless that, that year. Simple as that. So that's the reason, you know. They're finally the yeah. year after. Well, I'm looking at two. I'm looking at two here. Ninety-seven points in 2018-19. Ninety-two points yep. in 21-22 to finish mm-hmm. second on both occasions. To win it, they had to hit the ninety-nine points. So it's a high standard up at the top of that division when Manchester City Absolutely. are around. Ironically, he won the manager of the season and the 21-22 season and didn't win the league. But it's it's. But this is it, Roy. But I was going to say there just before you you did interject. It's he also Pep happens to be an unbelievable man manager, an unbelievable coach. If you look at what he did at Real, or sorry, at Barcelona. He just brought that to other clubs. So look, it, it doesn't mean because you're Pep Guardiola and you've all the money that you're going to win everything. Even he can't win everything, but. Generally, he tends to win more than he loses. But when you're pushing the Premier League to win a Premier League and you're in the upper 90s for points, 
the margin for error is absolute zero. You just can't afford to slip. And even the league, they didn't slip up and they didn't do anything wrong. They finished on 97 points. You, you still lose out on the league. It was just, it, it, you, you got to tip your hat to a, a, the machine that City were that year. But for Guardiola, you know, Mourinho would have a couple more uh, Spanish titles, you know. He's just that type of manager that he has the resources, he builds the team in a specific manner, and then you're going against him 1v1. And I know even Guardiola come out with a couple of nice uh, kind of one-liners about Klopp leaving, you know, the whole, he drove me to be my best and X, Y, and Z. But between the two of them, if you look back and maybe Klopp had one more, you might be able to kind of go, okay, that's fair enough. But credit you to Guardiola. He is He has built a juggernaut and the juggernaut just never seems to let him down. And Klopp, it didn't fall massively short. It was by a hair on two occasions and you just have to take that on the chin. Absolutely. If you look at the tactics, Dave, that Klopp brought to the team, they pressed high, they pressed furiously, they caged it in, they won the ball back in your half, uh, counter-attacked them and, you know, uh, took advantage of that situation. They were brilliant at it, they were high intensity. That changed when you looked at the, the midfield waning, the likes of Henderson, etc. Yeah. Even Fabinho, uh, his powers were leaving him. Yeah. He had to change that team after last year. What was it, fifth last year where they just missed out on the Champions yeah, League? Yeah. He's had to design a whole new, not even just placing players in instead of players, but he's actually changed our tactics. And when you look at Trent now, Trent drifts into midfield an awful lot. It's like they have an extra man, like a fourth man, a box of of players there, two sitting, two further ahead. And he's changed things around because just like Pep did, as, as you have said with him, he's had to adapt his teams and his tactics. And Klopp has done the exact same thing. I think he deserves a lot of credit uh, in regards to this season. Absolutely, because ironically, it's only really in the last few weeks people are actually starting to talk about Liverpool in in relation to Soil, considering they've been up near the top for about two months. I think a lot of the experts in inverted commas just weren't sure they had it this year because they they, 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 they didn't really rate that midfield until it's really kind of got going. They still presumed that uh, Arsenal were going to be the the best rival for them. But, like... like over the years, it's been little tiny subtle changes, but this year has been a little bit bigger because obviously, not that they're patient, but they are a little bit more. It's okay. Let's not rush it too much. If teams are sitting back as deep as they are, they have a couple of playmakers in in the likes of Ireland and even a McAllister when he's fit and when he's not doing that holding role, he has that little that little extra pass in him compared to the standard pass, if you know what I mean. And then they have uh, Jones who scored again today. He's getting a bit guilty of getting in there and coming in late and sneaking in the back from midfield, getting the midfielders to get more involved because it's getting a bit harder for the front three to kind of win out the battle of, uh, of um, what's the right word, of Wales, kind of that pressing from the front and that two pass and a goal. Uh, they have to get a little bit more, just a little bit more on the passing side of the game. You can see a little bit this year, but obviously there's been a few uh, injuries and a bit of time. So it hasn't been as fluid as you maybe wanted to be. But, you know, everyone's slowly starting to come back to Arnold's back today, Robinson's back today, you know, if Salah's hamstring's not as bad, all of a sudden it could be coming back back today. So it could all be coming back nicely. And then one or two of the kids are doing really well. Kwanzaa never looked out of place. 
Bradley is flying it. Uh, O'Connell play today. You know, so it's 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 a nice mix of old and new, and and then that that as I said, that little tweaking of the play that they're doing. So maybe that's the a reason why all these ingredients. He's like, yeah, the future's bright here, and if I can top it off with a few trophies this season, yeah, no better time. Neil, obviously he's leaving, so uh, we wouldn't be talking about him if he wasn't. There's going to have to be a new manager. Stop saying it right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> a whole show dedicated to it. Um, <laughs> but there, he's obviously going to be leaving and there's going to have to be a new manager. So we have a whole load of names out there. Alonso, uh, De Zerbi, Nagelsmann, even Postacoglu's got in there. We obviously want Steven Gerrard to be next uh, Liverpool manager. <laughs> but who do you think fits it? Um, if you're trying to do a transition, so there's a couple of little aspects of this, right? Number one, he's, the, the backroom staff seem to be leaving as well. Linders is leaving. Now, just to throw a kind of a little of, of a risky appointment in, and you don't see it an awful lot, as in when the assistant becomes the main man. So Pep Linders knows the, the process, he knows the players. He knows the way they play. He He's a tactical brain around the dressing room. Obviously, he's the number two. That would be a gamble, but yet someone you might go, well, he knows the system. It's a safe pair of hands. It's like the boot room. You know, you pass it on to the yeah. next guy. And he's third favourite, man. He's 10 to 1, a third favourite. Yeah. So even though I'm calling it a gamble, it could be an educated gamble. Okay. So that would be one for me that I would kind of go, okay, that makes sense because you're not, completely revolutionising. If you remember when Moyes went in after Ferguson, a lot of the backroom staff left and he wanted his old people there and they kind of alluded to it kind of six, nine months later that maybe we shouldn't have done a complete clear out. So I'd go with that logic on that one. Um, as far as playing the same style of football, you would imagine Linders is a big believer in what they've just done. Uh, if you had to change manager and go outside and looking around Alonso has a lot of love for the game as in Liverpool because of obviously who he was and that he played for them. And that's equally as a gamble to me because you don't know what he's going to bring to the Premier League. And will he be another Lampardish, Gerrardish where you give him that extra foot of rope because of who he is and your affection for him? Or do you treat him, you know, like with Gerrard at Villa, everything was great and then things went sour and it was gone and they moved over to a more experienced guy and and that kind of worked out for him. So there's a couple of little nuances, I guess, to it. Um, Deserby because I think he's a fractious kind of character I think the football he plays and the style that he plays and he, he, he's big into the press and, and, and flooding forward I think that would be please, uh, pleasing on the eye um, I know Ange Postacoglu was named and that's again because he's this type of manager that seems to hold no fear and he'll you know he'll camp them on the halfway line Don't think he'll that'll happen though Neil will it? No, I, I wouldn't think so. But as far as a suitable style or, or a style that the, the fans will warm to, I think the most important thing is, Roy, is that you couldn't go to a manager with a negative style or a counter-attacking style to catch me drift. It, it wouldn't fit at, at the club, especially after watching what we've just watched for nine years. So they do need to be careful because the whole structure, let's be honest, that Liverpool now is built to find a club-type player. So if you move away from that as a senior manager, what effect does that have on the 21s, the 19s, the 17s? So I think they need to be careful that they don't completely curveball away and that they get they get something similar that someone has the ingredients to continue on. But it's that type of character, right? But there's very, very few world-class game-changing managers out there. In fact, there's none available and 
they, they come along sometimes only once in a generation. So to make this change now feels huge, absolutely mega huge. Dave, who would be your choice if you had the choice? Yeah, yeah, it's bloody hard because you do you do have that fear factor that there's going to be a bit of a vacuum or there's going to be a bit of uh, this is not like what it used to be and one or two players go as well and then the transition is a lot bigger than you think and you'd almost feel sorry for whoever comes in. But to be honest, everyone and the mother, apart from Guardiola, um, like this would be a top job for a lot of top managers to, to, to want uh, without a shadow of a doubt. No one really gets me super, super excited. You're kind of thinking of the Alonso's because of the link. Even the Zerbi, the little bit. And as, as you said, he's possible. I wouldn't say no straight away, but you never know. You know the way Spurs are. They could easily get rid of him sometime next year. The next person doesn't work out and then he'd come in. He is an ex Liverpool fan, allegedly. So he still is a, has a chance if the next guy doesn't work uh, as it has been the, the case with other clubs. <sighs> See, it depends. Like, like Zavi is going at Barcelona and obviously Ancelotti apparently is finishing up at the end of the year so there's two Spanish clubs who are going to be all over Alonso as well so Liverpool mightn't have it their way if they decide to pick him as their number one choice um, and Deserbi and Postgoglu and others are going to be up for grabs there's a, there's a couple of big clubs now on the hunt um, so it, it, it's, it's ideally not the greatest of timing it's just whether they can maybe pull on the heartstrings of the Zavi Alonso of this world and that's not why the obvious reason he's um, why he's uh, he's favourite, but do, do I really have somebody that I absolutely have to have? Unfortunately, not at the minute. It's literally him and Pep are the two who we all admire and love, and there's no fear of him coming across. So, um, yeah, you just, I'll be honest with you, whoever comes in, it's uh, I'm going to be crossing my fingers and hoping for the best. It's it's kind of like it's a step down, no matter what happens, that you, yeah. you just yeah. don't have the same experience, you just don't have the same yeah. level of quality. All these managers who are there, are still learning their trade compared to Pep, compared to Klopp. Yeah. 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 Look at Roy, look at Man United, Roy, when they left, as in, I always used to say, the best time to get the Man United job is the, after the next guy in, if you can't be drift. So you don't want to be the guy that comes in after Alex Ferguson, shadow just passed too far. You want to be the next guy in after your man gets his marching orders. Mm. And maybe Liverpool could be like that, where you go for a safe pair of hands, Fair enough, it doesn't have the same pizzazz, but it keeps the ship moving. And then, right, it could be the next guy that hopefully then is a guy that's charismatic and has can put a mark on the club, and it becomes him or his team. Yeah. But it, it's a very, very rocky road, as we've seen at United and other clubs, Chelsea, you know, steamrolling managers in and out, and they can't get it right. So this, this is as big as, you know, spending your 100 million on a player. You know, this is humongous insofar as what way Liverpool are going to be and play uh, for the next number of years. Dave, are you in agreement with Neil that the next manager has to play the similar style that Klopp had? Um, not necessarily, really. Like, But to be honest, a lot of them tend to play fairly similar now and whoever comes in will like to press and will like to be attack-minded. I say that goes without saying, but I don't think they're going to ask for somebody to come in and just copy and paste because I think they'd be doomed from the start because anyone who does stay, uh, but more players will stay than the team, but if they just come in and say this guy is just trying to be the next club, they could probably switch off just as quick. So you have to put your stamp in and you have to put your own little style. I was listening to one or two podcasts over the weekend and there was a guy who is from The Athletic had a, an in-depth interview with Alonso 
Tani definitely is one of the more newer breeds. He's obviously had some of the finest managers he's played under. And uh, he's had a taste of a, a, a lot of them and a lot of styles. And he likes to have kind of three formations on the go and for players and, and to adapt to as they see fit as the game goes on. So he's not going to come in and just copy and paste if he was to come in, you know. Uh, and I, I wouldn't expect anyone to. They have to try and take ownership of it and have to try and put... Now, should they go completely off the, off the charts? Absolutely not. But you still have to put your stamp in it in order to probably get the respect of the players and hopefully hit the ground running in some way, shape or form. And that's why I joked about Stephen Gerrard earlier is because I couldn't tell you what Stephen Gerrard's style was as a football <laughs> manager. But I could tell you what Alonso or Deserbi was or Postacoglu because yeah. they have yeah. something that's in your face. Um, and that's what Klopp mm-hmm. was about. So there would mm-hmm. be, even if it was a slightly more conservative, as you said, with Alonso, yeah. where he'll change things around, he's still that side of football. Oh, yeah. I know it has to be. It can't be a complete 180, but, it, but, but definitely just put your little twist in it because you need to run the show. You're the boss. You come in and try and say, right, let's see. Let's try and do what we did before. The lads will just run over him. You, know, like you need to take ownership and you need, need to run the show. Klopp is a Mr. Nice guy and everyone loves him, but you can see it in him. It's like he has a bite in him and it's a, he knows how to get them to toe the line. So whoever comes in needs to be able to run that club as well and, and, and get the guys to, to kind of back him as they see fit. But obviously, getting somebody with similar styles is probably ideal, but obviously to have the confidence to put their own little stamp in as well and, and not just be a sheep, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, listen, there's no doubt Jurgen Klopp has been a brilliant manager in the Premier League. He's been a brilliant manager for Liverpool. He'll be greatly missed uh, at the press conferences because he was uh, top class entertainment, but fully educated everyone in football as well. As a Manchester United fan, it's uh, I'm counting down the days, uh, but then again, <laughs> <laughs> then again, who knows what's around the corner? Maybe that next person is going to add to what Klopp has already built in the foundations of Liverpool over the last few years. So, um, Neil, Dave, thanks very much. Thanks for you for listening as always, and we'll be back next week. <laughs>